This is Talk Is Sheep, the official podcast of the Wild Sheep Society of BC, brought to you by Sitka Come along as we bring conversations that matter to you into the high alpine. Uh, Mr. Rensmeg, here we are. We're um, post Kamloops Convention, and uh, I'm feeling a little exhausted, I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, that was uh, quite the weekend, my first time being behind the scenes of the show and uh man there's a lot of work that goes in and just non-stop all day long every day yeah you know it's it is incredible how much we put into it and uh um but you know what a great weekend uh just good good to have everybody the family back together you know it was this was our biggest show ever and uh just such a great feeling um like saturday morning that cam or that sorry it was adam foss uh, that uh, introduction to mountain hunting seminar. How many people were in that thing? Would you guess? Oh, uh, it was well over a hundred. There was thirty people standing in the back. It was. I've never seen that room that full. It was incredible. Wow. Yeah, phenomenal. So, yeah, a lot of good vibes. A lot of great uh, camaraderie. A lot of uh, backpack races were were entertaining to say the least. Uh, Colin definitely kicked that up a notch and took it to the next level. And uh, yeah, it was it was not for the faint of heart uh, that course. I'll say that right now. No, uh, our wild sheep ambassador Jeff Jackson there. He was taking some photos and he sent me a link today, and he he captured moments of the backpack race that were spot on. It was yeah, it was some good stuff, good content in there. Well, I seen that post he did. Um, and the the one guy coming off the plank there, he's just sideways. I'm like, I'm sure the resolution of that was not pretty. It did not look like it was going to be good. No, no. There's a series of photos. Uh, I think Jeff was on rapid shutter speed, and <laughs> he's got that guy from start to finish hitting the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Well, so just a fantastic weekend, and you know, again, there we are, our members stepping up, uh, supporting what we do, and supporting our conservation initiatives. And uh, there was a little bit of rust. I'm not going to lie. We had a few cogs to, in the machine that were a little rusty after taking literally four years off. But uh, over and all, um, just, I, you know, I'm getting texts and phone calls literally all day the last two days saying what a great weekend it's been. And, uh, yeah, pretty exciting, man. Yeah, no, it was great to see everybody and be in person and get that show rocking again. i already excited for next year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's interesting. A uh, couple of our, our table sponsors are like, save me two tables next year. I'm like, sign me up now. Um, just want to make sure we don't miss out on it. But uh, yeah, lots of cool stuff. We're already working on it. Um, Omer from Precision Optics called me this morning. He goes, hey, I got somebody that we need for next year for, and I'm not going to say any more, but uh, yeah, it's going to be one of those ones where you're like, that guy's there. Okay. We, like you just... So the biggest thing that we've run into is we're capacity limited, right? Like we we could only sell uh, just over 450 tickets. We were a full house. There wasn't a lot of empty seats in that place. And uh, so what do we do next year? You know, because we, we had a quite an extensive waiting list. And um, yeah, I'm not sure what the outcome of that is. Do we end up back in the coast or whatever? But we'd love to get more people in there, but we, we couldn't do anything better. Yeah, unfortunately, we had to field a lot of angry calls and messages from folks that wanted the seat and we just didn't have the seats it was unfortunate but it also spoke to our membership we sold out quick fast and furious and loaded up that venue yeah awesome so what else is new what else is going on so convention what else has happened in the world out there well uh unfortunately uh some somber 
sad news out of the conservation world uh, today. Uh, you know, the, the passing of the BC Wildlife Federation president, Chuck Zip Zuckerman. Chuck was a powerhouse of conservation for decades, and his impact will be felt for generations to come. Uh, our condolences go to his family, friends, and all of those that had the privilege and honor to work with a guy like that. Yeah, Chuck was one of those guys. His heart was in the right place, and he was always there and giving it 100%. Uh, the BCWF uh, was involved with the Jurassic Classic for years, and Chuck was there and just always trying to be innovative and find new ways to support our initiatives. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, to all the, the good people the BCWF, uh, we're sorry to hear that. It's just absolutely tragic when you lose uh, somebody that's so influential in your organization and certainly to his family and friends. So, yeah, really, really sad. Yeah, there'll be a, a long-lasting effect in his legacy, I'm sure. Um, the guy was capable of lightening up a room with his smile, and it was always on point. It's going to going to miss that guy. Yeah, absolutely. So we're kicking into episode 118. It's uh, just coming up on spring here, not too long, and um, we got some pretty cool guests lined up, a lot of really cool things. Um, but this was a real fun podcast. You know, we're, we're trying to get a, a really good diverse group of people on, on the cast, you know, whether it be conservation, whether it be science-based, whether it be but hunting too, right? And Derek Blake is a hunter. This guy is, is the real deal. And, um, you know, the lifestyle him and his wife lead and their and now they're their new, new kid. Um, it's, it's pretty cool to talk to, to Derek. Yeah, that's, uh, the lifestyle they lead. That's something else. Um, you, you talk hunting, talk fishing. I don't know if there's many people out there that can hold a candle to how he lives. You know, if, if he's not guiding for bears, he's out hunting and if he's not hunting, he's living on his boat fishing. Like, just true true outdoorsman, that guy. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And what, uh, I we recorded this a while back, but what was the story about uh, his daughter and the life membership? I can't remember. Uh, I maybe shouldn't spoil it. Yeah, well, you have to listen, but uh, she's the youngest uh, WSF, was it the summit? So it's... You can find out the details when you listen to the podcast, but his daughter's the youngest, and it's something special when you you listen to the finer details. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Derek is um, a great guy. You know, have a great listen. Uh, really heavily involved in wild sheep. Wild sheep conservation obviously comes from uh, the goat guide outfitting side of things, but uh, I really enjoyed our chat with Derek, and uh, definitely want to have him back on in the future because he's got a few stories to share, I think. Yeah, we're going to have to recap with him, uh, I think, at the end of this year. He should have a, a few extra stories after you listen to his plans for this year. So, uh, yeah. Luck, lucky little girl he's got there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we're going to whip into this uh, episode, and uh, we I know we give you guys a lot of raffle talk, but we're launching a new one, and I, I won't belabor it, but if you head over to uh, our website at... We've got $55,000 in prizes in rifles. We've got six rifles up for for uh, grabs, 50 bucks a ticket, and uh, you got six chances to win uh, rifles that are anywhere in value from, uh, I think the cheapest one we have on is 16000 
and or the most expensive one and the cheapest ones around that seven thousand dollar mark so uh precision optics uh, we partnered up with them again omer and his crew um and worked with a bunch of great people um and, and i will go through the sponsors some other time but just a great raffle and um yeah we're gonna let that one uh hang around for a bit and giving people an opportunity to get involved and uh good chance to win and and more importantly uh put money back towards the wild sheep resource yeah absolutely i think that's no better time to roll on with this podcast episode 118 Derek blake enjoy this episode is sponsored by our conservation partner precision optics thank you sitka gear and precision optics for investing in healthy wildlife and sustainable ecosystems all right here we are um yeah tech issues sorted we're rolling i've got us recording so uh derek welcome to the podcast talk is sheep awesome to have you on man yeah thanks for having me appreciate it yeah so if this sounds a little canned we just did five minutes of recording on the other other <laughs> platform so we've we've got all the kinks worked out but uh um yeah you got some exciting news to share with the world uh, i think that's happened here recently so let's hear all about it yeah right on uh friday morning uh just before noon my wife ruby uh had a baby uh we named her harbor moonflower blake uh ruby's middle name is mayflower her parents are hippies and she goes by ruby may so we have a little harbor moon and uh we got released from the hospital on monday and got home and i've just been enjoying every minute of it Awesome. Congratulations to both you and Ruby and uh, awesome to have healthy little Harbor in, in, uh, in your care and at home. And so we're talking offline about sheep week and how you have missed any for 14 years. So sounds like some adjustments are due in the coming years here, possibly, and uh, uh, maybe a, a new member for the foundation or what's going on. Yeah. So uh, we decided to make Harbor a summit life member uh, at sheep week. So I think Ruby was, 37 ish weeks pregnant at the time. So we got the youngest summit life member. Um, and, uh, yeah, excited for her to be a part of the organization. Uh, we have a sheep hunt planned already that, uh, she'll be two and, um, it's actually a hunt for Ruby. So, um, I'm going to be packing uh, Harbor in a backpack and, uh, Ruby's gonna, gonna shoot a Ram hopefully if uh, we can be successful. That's awesome. What, what's the story there? What you guys got to uh, pl- hunt plan in Alaska or what's what do you what do you got on the go actually it's um it's for a desert sheep in Mexico and uh I had they had a last minute deal at Rancho LaGuardia and it was for last December and we were on the boat fishing in the middle of summer and they popped up with it and uh I had met the guys last year there at Rancho LaGuardia and they um seemed super nice and heard good things talked to some of their other hunters and uh so I sent them a message and um, we were going to jump on it or we technically did. And I wired him some money, uh, to get it going. And, uh, and then we went to our doctor's appointment with Ruby being pregnant. And the doctor was like, yeah, no way. Uh, Ruby at seven months pregnant, shouldn't be shooting a ram and shooting a gun, um, and climbing and being that active. And so I, I let them know, and I was kind of worried that we were going to lose our opportunity. Um, and, uh, just being that they're such a great outfit, they just said, Hey, no worries. You guys are having a baby. That's the most important thing. Um, let's just sign you up for the first, uh, whenever you want to go in, uh, the 2024, 2025 season. And, uh, so we picked dates at, uh, actually at Dallas SCI this year. Um, we'll be going after sheep show of January, 2025 and Ruby's going to shoot a desert sheep and we'll have uh, the whole family together and 
kind of our idea behind this one is uh, it's going to be the family slam where between uh, maybe Ruby's going to shoot the first few sheep in it. And then uh, when Harbor gets of age and can shoot around, maybe she can finish the slam for us. That's awesome. Uh, so what part of you get to play in that, uh, in the slam? You, you're, you're the photographer or what's the deal there? You know what? Uh, um, maybe it's the part of me that now is guiding. Uh, I get a lot of pleasure uh, um, being a part of the hunt. And uh, the one thing, uh, you know, as, as everybody knows, that's done a, of a well-planned out sheep hunt. There's a lot of planning and stress and financial pressure on it. And um, for me, this is just going to be all a vacation and fun. And I don't have any of the pressure. We just get to go have, have a good time. And as a family go, uh, go hunt together. So, um, so I, I kind of just get a vacation sheep hunt. That's awesome, man. Very, very cool. Uh, with, uh, is, is this, will this be Ruby's first Ram then? Yeah, unless she kills a doll in Alaska before then, um, she has not killed a sheep yet. Um, we haven't, uh, she hasn't gone on a sheep hunt yet. So uh, it's the start. Um, I know it's kind of a backwards to start with the, uh, with a desert sheep, but I mean, the way it worked out, it's just, we couldn't pass up an opportunity. And, uh, and actually of, uh, of all of the sheep that hunts that I've been on, uh, hunting in Mexico and the temperature and everything, um, it's just fun to hunt desert sheep. I mean, there's, uh, I mean, I'm all about the long, hard hunt and putting in your time and effort and, and, you know, it's still down there. You still got to hike and do it, but, uh, there's something about, uh, 90 degrees plus and, uh, that desert, uh, atmosphere, um, especially when you live in Alaska. And, uh, so I'm just looking forward to it. It's just going to be a super fun hunt for us. And Very you cool. want to, you want to go down there and pack a toddler around in your, uh, your backpack in that heat, eh? I do. Yeah. I mean, I figure that toddler is a lot lighter than uh, what I would normally be backing around. So it's, uh, <laughs> it There's should be fun. True. True. With, uh, Rancho LaGuardia, what are their elevations at? Are they like, I know CRL Alamo, like they're on, uh, they're like 3000 foot is their, their elevation on some of their hunts. So it's crazy, but. You know, I don't know. Um, I know we flying to, I think it's Chihuahua. And so it's, it's South of like Texas. It's kind of in the middle of Mexico there, um, South of the border. Um, but I haven't even looked into that. Um, I'm assuming, I guess in the middle, it's got to have some elevation, but, uh, um, I don't know. I mean, of all of the sheep hunts too, that I've done, uh, the desert sheep is also the easiest too. So I'm not too stressed out or worried about it. Um, and I, I'm just looking forward to it as a really fun hunt to do with my family. Uh, that's awesome. Well, hey, for our listeners um, and for for everybody that's not quite um, up to speed, talk a little bit about where you are, what you're doing. Um, talk a little bit about guide life um, and uh, just bring us up to speed on that, if you don't mind, Derek. Okay. Um, yeah, my name is Derek Blake and I live in Alaska, born and raised and in Anchorage, Alaska uh, is where our home base is. Uh, I'm a commercial fisherman. Um and I'm also a hunting guide. I commercial fish in Prince William Sound for salmon. Uh, I seine, which uh, you can use a boat up to 58 feet long, of which my vessel is a 58 footer. Um, we do that in the summertime. The boat also does some tendering where I buy fish off of smaller boats called gill netters. And that's my main business. And then my business that I love and my passion, obviously, is hunting. And uh, I started guiding a while back and working for outfitters about 20 years ago. And uh, and actually, the first time I started working um, was Kodiak Brown Bear. And uh, now I guide for Paul Chervenak of Kodiak Outdoor Adventures. And uh, 
I also have a transport business where I take uh, deer hunters and they live aboard the boat. And then I blast them around every morning to a good hunting spot for deer, um, send them off with their food, uh, pick them up in the evening, bring them back to the boat. We deal with the deer and animals and make a big dinner and um, do it again the next day. So I got a few different things that we do, uh, but um, keeps me pretty busy. We, we live and work on our boat from middle of April until the end of November. So it's a, it's a busy season for us. And then we go to the shows in the winter and, and uh, try to relax and recover and, and then take right off and do it again. That's awesome. So now, you know, obviously this is a lifestyle and you guys have built your life around that. Do you see it changing at all with, uh, with the new baby and with uh, moon, uh, moon flower, is it moon Harbor, Har- Harbor, <laughs> Harbor, moon flower. Sorry, buddy. Yeah. Um, is there, is it going to change? Do you see anything or, or is uh, any lifestyle changes with that? How does it look for you there? You know, we're kind of taking this one day at a time and seeing how it goes, but our plan is to not change. Um, on the boat, you know, Ruby and I operate uh, together as a family and uh, we want to raise our kid doing this. I grew up on a boat commercial fishing, uh, not quite as young as she will, but also it was not on as nice of a boat as we have. Um, we're going to set up uh, one part of the boat basically kind of has Ruby and, and uh, the baby spot and it's isolated from the rest of the crew and everybody else. Um, so she can be mom. She can keep doing that. As far as a fishing operation goes, I hired another person so that way Ruby can focus on being mom. And uh, on the hunting side, um, it's going to take a little bit of adjustment, but Ruby normally cooks for all the clients. So when I come back in from guiding, uh, instead of me dealing with gear and clients and other stuff, I might be making sure the baby's good while Ruby cooks. And, you know, it's it'll take some adjustment, but we're going to try to try to go for it and continue on as our life and just adapt with our baby into it. And hopefully she grows up, uh, you know, I mean, the way we see it is it might be difficult at times. Uh, especially maybe toddler age, but also at the same time, you know, during the day, Ruby's not guiding, Um, you know, she can, she goes to the beach and goes hiking and, you know, you got a, you got a toddler and that can be picking seashells and, you know, throwing rocks in the water. And, you know, we got a dog on the boat too, and playing with the dog on the beach. So there's a lot of cool things that a lot of kids wouldn't get without that kind of lifestyle. Um, So we're going to make every effort to do it as a family operation and, and not change. Um, You know, of course, if that doesn't work, if they need to sneak home for a little bit uh, or take a break here and there, that's, that's going to happen. But our effort is a family operation hundred percent of the way. That's awesome. Uh, What, when do you typically get out on the boat? When when you, when's the baby going to make the move and get her sea legs underneath her? So our first brown bear hunt of the year always starts on April twentieth, and so we'll load up the boat. The boat's in Kodiak right now, and uh, we will leave the April nineteenth, and we'll spend the night. Um, the clients will play and make it to the boat on April twentieth. So. Uh, we're just gonna we're just gonna go for it. April nineteenth, the boat's taking off with my wife and my baby, and uh, we're just gonna we're just gonna make it work. That's that's gonna be quite quite the experience and the adventure. That's be neat to follow along. If you uh, if you guys keep us updated on social media, then we'll be yeah, watching for sure. <laughs> for sure. You know, my wife's a little bit better at the social media part than I am, but uh, but yeah, well, I'm sure there'll be plenty of updates. Right on. So yeah. With your the brown bears, it seems like you guys put down some some stompers. <laughs> Just flipped through your page the other day and went back in time because I'd only been following you a short while, and you know that's got to be quite something to 
be closing the distance. That's all boat hunt. Are you spot and stock? How are you going about those? So it's spot and stock. Um, we sleep on the boat, but we take off in the morning in a smaller skiff and uh, we'll go to a spot and we'll glass, um, you know, and, and spend our time looking for the right bear. Um, you know, of course, we can use our skiff and change our glassing location if we need be or if it's just real slow. Um, but yeah, we, uh, I, Paul Chervenak's got three really awesome federally exclusive areas. Um, and he's got some great guides that work for him. Um, I'm honored to be one of his guys. Um, Paul won the, uh, guide of the year or outfitter of the year award this year at, at Wall Sheep Foundation. So that was pretty cool. I mean, he just, everything about his operation is top notch. Um, so that, that is first and foremost, why, uh, our first part of success is, is Paul's experience and, and how Paul has taught us. Um, and then, his areas are great. Um, but also Kodiak right now, and even the Alaska Peninsula, I mean, in Alaska, you know, it, it seems like things kind of go up and down as far as animals and trophy quality. And right now sheep aren't doing very good. And, you know, there's other issues here and there, but, um, brown bears are just, we're, we're doing good. Um, we're killing big bears, uh, last spring in our, in my boat area, I was 50% Boone and Crockett bears, uh, 10 foot Boone and Crockett. Um, and the other two, uh, were no slouches either. Um, and uh, typically, Paul's outfit uh, is killing about 25% booners, which is, I mean, in any species in North America, I mean, that's, that's pretty good odds. I mean, I don't really know a lot of hunts you can book and actually have that good of a chance of, of killing a boon and crockett animal. No, that uh, sounds like an outstanding percentage of <laughs> BNC coming in. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool, man. It's uh, and I get excited for every one of them. Those brown bears are just uh, of all the animals I've hunted in North America. I mean, a big boar is truly the smartest animal in North America. There's just nothing that compares to it, and it's just awesome when we get a big one on the ground. And if you're, you're spotting stalking, are you doing a lot of it from shore and then going in? And because you know, I I would imagine that you're dealing with thick vegetation and you're probably getting up close and personal with some of these giants. Yeah, we do a lot of archery hunts. Um, we are getting close, uh, even on rifle hunts. We try to get right in there. I mean, we have, I mean, 20, 30 yards on a lot of rifle hunts isn't uncommon. I mean, sometimes even 10 yards or less, you know, if it is thick, um, one of the things that we do on our hunts that help us be successful in those type quarters is we always have two guides per hunter. And so when we do, find a bear that we want to make a stock on we leave one guide um back and they're our spotter and they help us navigate the thick stuff and uh that really helps us uh be successful in finding our bear of, of having a guy to hand signal you and give you some help yeah that definitely helps out a bit and you know a little bit of extra safety cushion there someone yeah, telling sure. you someone telling you where the bear is while you're sneaking up and you can't see him yeah. Yeah. And of course it's all, uh, you know, we don't get to talk by any means, but it's always a look back and see what their hand signals are. And we have, uh, um, you know, in Alaska, you can't use radios or anything like that. Um, any sort of communications, but, uh, but, you know, sometimes you're looking back and the person, you can almost see them pulling their hair out of their head because, you know, you're not paying attention, you're not getting it right. And then other times it's just like, they walk you right in and, and, you know, that's our rule is we trust our spotter. Um, and I've been on both sides of that where, where I've been like, what is he telling me to do? Like, no way. And then all of a sudden you just pop around and the bear's right there. And, and, um, you know, and then other times it's like you, you trust in your gut and you look back and your spotter tells you something and you, you went, you went past where you're supposed to go. He walked you right back in and you kill the bear. So, uh, a lot of our success also has to do with that. And, 
And when we are uh, having archery clients, it really makes it fun. Oh, I can only imagine. I've had a few times giving hand signals to family and friends and, you know, you're looking back at them and they're just, they're waving at you as you're trying to like, Oh, there's the caribou over here. Like go that way. And they're, they're just like, Hey, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> so make, add for an interesting time, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah. So that's, that's pretty neat. Do you get, you got any, um, when you're dealing with that, you got to have some moments of, you know, the, they're breathing down your neck a little bit, a little bit dicey moments. I'm sure you got any stories you're, you're willing to share that's uh, one that's fun to look back on now, but not so much so in the moment. Um, so anytime we've had to go after a wounded bear, um, that is the most intense moment when you're on your hands and knees and going through the thick stuff, following blood and trying to figure out where they're going. Um, I've been pretty fortunate. I haven't had like any, I, I know other guides that have come right up on the wounded bear and not noticed it until they're right on top of it and had to shoot from the hip as they're coming at them. I don't have any exciting story like that. Um, I have had bears come into camp. I've been on a trail and had a bear coming at me and literally sprinting right down the same bear trail that I'm on and thick brush and push myself into the alders as it's coming, kind of realizing it's not coming like it's coming at me, but not me itself and like have it brush right through and like brush against me as it goes past me. Um, and it had caught the wind uh, of another hunter. Um, so that was one of one interesting moment. I had uh, another one um, coming back down to the beach and having an inflatable on the beach and the bears just, there's a bear on the beach, just about getting ready to uh, start tearing it apart. And it's like in that moment, you realize you're kind of either going to have to swim or you need to do something. And obviously, you know, you can't shoot the bear or do anything like that. So it's like that quick uh, impulse decision. And uh, my impulse decision was sprint and charge at it and scream at it the best I could. And and it worked and chase it right off. Um, and uh, we've had to run him out of camp before. Um, nothing too crazy. Uh, Paul has some better stories than I do. Uh, of course, he's been doing it for 40 years. Um, for me, uh, though, just, uh, excitement. Uh, I do have a funny story though, that you guys might appreciate. Um, so, uh, a lot of you might know, uh, Cole Kramer, who I guide and work with and is one of my close friends. Um, and Cole and I have guided a lot together and we had, uh, the guys from Kennetrek Boots and, um, Jim Wingem and Bob Scherer on a hunt, uh, both archery and, uh, Jim was done right off the bat and I had hand signaled Cole in and they had a really crazy experience of like bears just all over him, seven bears. And Cole keeps looking back at me and I'm waving his hands down and he's actually having to chase the bears off of them. Cause they're just coming right on top of them. And he's like, which one? And I'm giving them a signal. No, no. And they're like, do we need to leave? And these bears keep peeling out because they, they wind them. And I'm like, Nope, you need to sit down. You need to sit down. And then finally the right bear came. And uh, came right up to him. I mean, 20 yards, boom. And so that was on day two of the hunt. And then on day four, uh, we spotted a bear and Cole and I are looking at it. And it's just, it's like laying in a hole and we can't get the thing to wake up. And I'll make the story. It's kind of a longer story. I'll make it a little shorter for you guys. But uh, it finally like rolls over and we see just ivory claws. You can't tell how big it is anything, but you just see, I mean, these claws like my fingers and they're just pure ivory white all the way up and down. I'm just, I mean, I've never, it, that image in my spotting scope, I'll never forget it. And Cole and I look at each other 
And we're just like, wow. And so at that point, all we knew is we just needed to confirm that it was a boar and not a sow, not like a really old sow. Um, and so we watched about an hour later, it got up, turned around and laid right back down. And then as soon as it got up and turned, we both, you know, hundred percent, we're like old boar, big boar need to kill this bear. And, uh, Bob and Cole went down and they, uh, I helped them get right into position, wind coming in their face, bears bedded in a hole and they're like 25, 28 yards from it. And they sit and, uh, they're sitting and waiting and they had to wait for three hours and uh all of a sudden those bears getting up and i'm videoing it and one i have a video going and then i got i'm in my spotter and i'm waiting for them to draw finally draws bear turns makes a good shot they look up at me to watch i'm watching the bear they can't see it i think he flung another arrow but i don't know if it hit it or not um and they lose it and they can't see it anymore and where they're at and i can see it up above and it goes and i'm watching and watching and watching and it dies so we're all pumped up. You know, we all give the hand signals. Everybody's excited. I grab everything from where I'm at, cold stuff, my stuff, and uh, head on down to meet them. And uh, they're laughing and we're all excited and we're happy. And then all of a sudden Cole says, oh, Bob, you got to tell Derek the story of, uh, of what happened. Uh, and Bob says he's sitting there behind Cole and they're trying to not move. They're not trying to make any noise. You know, they're right there watching this bedded bear. And uh, Bob says, uh, and I really got to pee, you know, and Cole's like, not much I can tell you. <laughs> so it happens to go through everything and finally get done. And Cole's like, Oh, well, at least you can go pee now. And Bob's like, I did twice. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we were hunting in chess waiters. So he made sure it went down one leg only and not both, <laughs> but he had, he actually had to take his chess waiters off right while we were doing photos and everything. And he drained, he drained his chess waiters out of being twice. So uh, yeah, that night in camp, we came up his, uh, his nickname uh, was Bobby Wetfoot. <laughs> oh man. I bet <laughs> wouldn't be surprised if that happens a little bit more often. The guys just don't <laughs> joke about it or tell you. <laughs> but, oh, that's a good story. I like that. <laughs> oh, well, that's yeah. That, where, where do you go from that? It's, what I'll give you one more if you want to hear one more uh, oh. going to the bathroom story uh, with a bear client. <laughs> Absolutely. So this one uh, we. Um, we were on like day four of our hunt and uh, the neighboring area has a, uh, had a guide with a hunter that killed on day two and his uh, guide is named Jason Bunch. And one thing that we all do in Kodiak, uh, if we can, and if we have time, like we all help each other out. And so on day three, Jason brings his client over and um, sits with us and we're all spotting and looking. So we, now we have three guides and, and we're watching for bears and his client's excited because he killed his bear on day two to keep it going. And, and uh, we didn't end up seeing a good bear that day. So the day, day four happens and um, they decided they were going to look in a spot and they were glassing and uh, I spotted a good bear and the client and I decided to go after it. And we got a vantage above the bear where the bear bedded and sit down for a while. And he kind of seemed like, oh, this probably isn't going to work out. It just kind of didn't seem super high odds of, of working out where he was and how thick the stuff was down below us. So I'm like, well, you know, I'll just wait it out. So we, uh, I made lunch, we're eating lunch. And all of a sudden I look over and about 600 yards past us, uh, I see the bear is pops out. Like I couldn't see him move through the brush, but it, it, there was an opening. And my hunter was a little bit out of shape. 
um, bigger guy. And uh, I just told him, I said, just take your gun. I said, you start going as fast as you can that way. I said, I'll pack everything up. So I just took, you know, I got my big Barney's pack and I just shoved his pack inside my pack and everything around, shoved it all in. And I started, and I, I caught up to him and I was like, how are you doing? And he's huffing puff. And I said, I'm going to go ahead. And I said, I'm not going to go past you, but I'm going to try to find the, the nicest route to get there. And he's like, okay, okay. So we, uh, I go forward and I go a little ways and, and I keep looking behind and I'm waiting for him to get there and go a little further, go a little further. And, uh, and then I stop and he's breathing really hard. He's super red. He's just dripping sweat everywhere. And I was like, okay, this next like knob up if if he's close to where he was like we're gonna have a shot on him and he kind of seemed like he was you know like there's no way that bear's still gonna be there and i was like okay so i go through the brush and right as i'm coming up i see a, a bear skull and so i look over and i'm like holy crap the deadhead like i reach and i grab the bear skull keep going and and right before we get to the top i'm like okay i need to like have this guy catch his breaths so he catches up to me and i'm like let's just breathe here let's get our Let's get our heart rate down. Let's get ready. And I was like, why don't you load a bullet into your gun? And he looks at me and he kind of is, he's like, why don't we just make sure the bear's there before I load up? And I'm like, fair enough. That's fine. So we're ready. We start peeking over and I, I peek first. The bear hasn't moved anywhere. It's 20 yards from us. And I looked at him, I come back down and I'm like, load. And he's like, what? I'm like, it's right here. And he's like, and he, so instead of loading, he's like in disbelief, he just like stands up. And he looks and the bear just turns and looks right at that time at us. And I'm like, load your gun and shoot the bear. And he loads the gun and he shoots it and it takes off running. And I look at him and I'm like, reload and shoot him again. <laughs> he reloads, shoots him again, drops the bear. And the guy is just like, he's amazed. He's like, I cannot believe that just worked out. And I'm like, sometimes we just get lucky. And uh, we're all pumped. And uh, we go up to the bear or we, we start going up to the bear. And he's like, hold on, I got to do something. And I'm like, okay, I don't really know what he does. When he runs behind me, I'm like, I don't know what's going on here. I'm like, whatever. I like really want to go check out this bear because it's a good bear and it's kind of a fun little stock that we put on it. And, and I'm like, whatever, I'm waiting for him. And he comes back and I was like, what were you doing? He's like, I had to take a shit. And I'm like, huh. all right, fair enough. So we go to the bear and then the next thing I know, uh, Paul, um, he ends up, I sent him a message, you know, and, and, uh, he, he, he was in the boat and he was watching from the boat. And the next thing I know, like, I'm kind of thinking Paul's going to show up here or there. I've been taking photos and knocking alders down and kind of getting set up. And Paul doesn't really show up for a while. I'm like, ah, oh, no big deal. And, and, uh, but he does send a message as, as wait, wait to start cutting till I get there. Well, him and Jason and the other hunter, they show up too. And, uh, turns out Jason and the other hunter, were uh, watching from across uh, from a different part. We were on an island and they were watching from Kodiak and they had us the whole thing in the spotter. They watched the stock, they watched everything. And uh, they were like, hey, we got to ask a question. What happened after you shot the bear and you disappeared? And he's like, I had to go take a shit. <laughs> so it ended up going out to everybody. Uh, and uh, I guess it's so our, our our stories of that are more exciting than our than our bear chasings and uh, close calls, but at least it keeps us on our toes, right? It's all, all about the adventure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's, that's, uh, how how long does the bear season go up there for you? When if you're going in April nineteenth this year, when when you uh, heading back to shore, kind of deal. 
So bear season ends May 15th. Our first hunt we run, it's an 11 day hunt from April 20th until through April 30th. Uh, and then we have a little break until May 5th. And then kind of basically why that break is there is in case our hunter isn't successful by day 11, which uh, usually is not the case. Um, they could say a couple extra days. Um, and then we run our second on May 5th through the 15th and the season closes on the 15th. Oh, okay. Right on. That's a pretty quick season. Yeah, it's, it's quick. We just, uh, uh, and then in the fall, it opens October 25th and, uh, we usually all go out on the opener. All right on. So the re- reason we're all here, the sheep guys, nah, you're, you're somewhat of an, uh, accomplished sheep hunter to put it humbly. Um, let's, let's lean into that. I want to know about your first sheep. I want to hear that. First sheep. Um, so my first sheep hunt, uh, or my first sheep, I did go try a couple times. Uh, I didn't grow up sheep hunting. Uh, my dad didn't sheep hunt. I did grow up hunting, but, uh, um, I kind of had to figure things out a little bit. And, uh, so my first successful sheep hunt, I went in with a, a friend of mine who also I'd done a lot of hunting with. We both grew up in the town of Cordova. It's a pretty small town. Uh, there's a lot of goats there, a lot of deer, a lot of moose, a lot of bears. Um, but there's no sheep. So we had, you know, killed everything there. And me and my buddy wanted to start sheep hunting. And so we decided we were going to go up to the Brooks range and, uh, kind of last minute, uh, it turned out that his cousin could make the trip with us. And so we had, uh, three, uh, guys heading in, um, not really knowing what we were doing or where we were going to go, but we found an air taxi to, to drop us uh, in a spot and we picked a spot and he dropped us off and there was an airstrip that he could land in. We had three hunters and um, just to save the area, I won't talk about who the outfitter was that was in the area, but uh, anyways, we got there and there's, you know, seven or eight or nine tents and all set up and it's like August 7th and uh, the season opens August 10th. And the outfitter came and talked to us and he was like, uh, okay, what's your guys' plan? You know, I got a couple guided hunts, you know, I want to make sure my guys aren't going to be interfering with, you know, you guys and everybody can have a good opportunity here. We could, we could see sheep right from where we were dropped off. So we weren't too worried about it. We were figuring we were going to make it happen. And, and, uh, he kind of told us where their guys were going to go and we decided we would go a different direction. And so the, um, morning of the 8th we took off and started hiking our way and we started seeing some rams and way back in the head of a valley uh we saw rams look like uh they were definitely at least two in the group that were legal so we camped that night and then on the ninth we headed up towards them and we got pretty close to where we thought we could uh, set up camp and and uh kind of have a slam dunk deal oh and uh, back it up a bit. When we were taken off to leave uh, from where we were landed, the outfitter was like, so who's shooting? And uh, we were like, well, all of us. And he's like, <laughs> okay, yeah, whatever. So anyways, we take off. And uh, the night of August 9th, we um, started snowing pretty good. And then we woke up to like six inches of snow, and uh, which is no big deal. I mean, sheep hunting out and mountain hunting, whatever, it's pretty common. And we uh, kind of poked around from where we had camped and right in the in uh, the top of the, the valley drainage where we had seen the rams, uh, one of them was feeding down and and uh, it was 450 yards away and we were watching it for a while and there really wasn't a good play to get much closer and 
it was an older Ram. It, it wasn't, it was a double broomed Ram. We could see a lot of stacked up age rings and, uh, you know, we're just like, I, I guess we should shoot this sheep and, you know, we're like, who's going to shoot it. And, uh, one of my buddies was like, well, he said, why doesn't his cousin shoot it? And so he's like, well, never shot anything at 450 yards. And John was like, Derek, do you want to shoot it? And I was like, sure, I'll shoot it. So I shot the sheep and uh, we hiked over to it and, and super excited about it. You know, first time I got to see a, a sheep on the ground and dealt with it. We, and we brought it back to camp right where we were. And, and uh, we decided just to kind of hang out for that evening. And the next morning we took off and we uh, went over that um, the password and into the next valley range and figured that's where the rest of the sheep had gone. And sure enough, we find a group of rams. We could put a good stock on them and there's two really nice rams in it. Um, actually, there was three really nice rams in it. And I, since I was done shooting, I had a video camera and I got all set up and got the guys ready. And I mean, we're at 250 yards, super, should be super easy. And uh, I'm all ready and they are going to count it off and shoot and they count off and they shoot and they both missed. And so they start moving around and I'm trying to coach them into where their rams are going. And I was telling my buddy, John, we were really excited about his sheep. And in the film, like, I mean, I'm following his ram. It's a nice ram. And uh, I'm zoomed right in on him. And I'm like, John, are you on him? I explain where he is. And he squeezes the trigger and he just says, got him. And I'm looking at this ram and this ram standing and there's it did not get shot. Oh man. And I was like, <laughs> okay. And I zoom out and I see a ram on the ground and uh, I was like, well, okay. So he got his, so we uh, kind of made a, or I, I, I found uh, the other one and uh, Tyson, his cousin shot the other ram. <laughs> so we're like, cool. We got a couple sheep. So and then uh, by the, you know, it's, it's in the afternoon and uh, we had left camp where my sheep was and we started dealing with them. And because we had gone down through, we'd have to hike them up a ways to get back to camp. And we're like, you know, I think we could actually just hike and just go straight down this drainage and go right to our airstrip where we had left like a base camp tent. And so we're like, okay, cool. Let's do that. So we deal with them, take photos. I mean, terrible at taking photos, bloods all over the capes, everything like that. But <laughs> you know, we, we hike back, we got our two Rams and we go into camp and it's uh, the evening of August 11th, you know, maybe 10 or 11 PM. It's still daylight. And uh, the outfitter comes right up to us and he's like, Oh, wow. You guys killed two Rams on August 11th. Like, good job. We're like, no, we killed three. He's like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, we got three. And uh, we're like, we got to go back up tomorrow and go get the rest of them or go get the other one in our camp. Um, but it turned out that with the snowstorm that came, their guys hadn't even left to go hunting yet. So here we packed <laughs> out and his uh, guided guys hadn't even gone. Uh, we actually told him where the ram was and where the group of rams were. And uh, one of their guys actually went up and killed the one that we wanted to kill. Um, and it was like a 41 inch sheep. It was a really good Ram. Um, we can't complain. We killed a 10 year old and 11 year old and a 12 year old Ram for our first Rams. Um, so there was, uh, nothing wrong. The next day we went and got our camp and my sheep and, and, uh, we hung out and took care of our capes and flew out. I want to say the 13th or the 14th of August. And that was my first successful sheep hunt. Oh, so sheep, sheep hunting is really easy then, eh? Just <laughs> roll in, shoot three sheep and get on out right right away. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, during a, some good years in the Brooks Range. Um, I want to say that was, I think, 2009. And there was a few uh, few pretty good years up there like that. And then they kind of 
kind of backed off a little bit. It's it's been it got decent again uh, recently too, but now there's been some closures in some of those areas. Uh, so, but yeah, that was uh, that was one of my best Alaskan sheep hunts. That kind of suck you into the the whole sheep world here, uh, you know. Yeah, from yeah, there you go. Sorry. Yeah, it definitely got me uh, kind of hooked. I remember there was like one moment where um, I was packing. And when I had to go back up to go get mine, and I remember thinking in one moment that I was like, man, I'm glad I got a ram because this was really hard. And, uh, you know, after trying to hike back <laughs> up after you pack rams out and this and that. And uh, and then like the next moment, I was like already thinking about the next hunt. So, and, and since that moment, I've never, ever thought about like, oh, I'm glad I did this because now I don't ever have to do it again. It's like the passion just grew every hunt that I've been on and, and uh, they've only just gotten better and better. So did, did you go to sheep show before that or is that hunt? And then, all right, I'm going to go to the next 14. <laughs> yeah, actually that year I did go. I'm trying to think of when it started. Um, yeah, that wouldn't make sense. That's 14, 15 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> all right on. Have you, uh, have you done your slam? Uh, yeah. Um, I finished my slam in 2016. Oh, right on. What, what, what'd you go after uh doll sheep? Uh, so I got a couple dolls, uh, up here. And then in 2012, I went to BC and killed a stone sheep with Dustin Rowe. And then in the spring of 2013, so it was that winter that I still did that. And that year, so I, I shot, I, I did a solo doll hunt in Alaska in 2012 in the fall and, uh, hiked into the Talkeetah mountains and killed a ram. And then a couple weeks later, went over and killed a stone sheep in British Columbia. And then uh, I was at the Grand Slam show. And uh, so I was in the, it was a half slam or three quarter slam drawing for your one more for four, two more for four at the time. And uh, one of my friends was sitting at the table with me and uh, we both said, hey, if there was only like 70 people in the room. And so you have to be present to win. And we're like, holy crap, this is a good odds. And we both said, hey, if one of us draws this, the other person gets to go. So either way, we're going to go sheep hunting if somebody were to draw. And we're like, yeah, but, you know, who, who's going to draw us? Well, what do you know? They drew his name. And <laughs> so he was a three-quarter slammer, and he he got drawn, and uh, he needed a desert. And uh, so he went desert sheep hunting, and I went with him, and not to go hunt, but we got down there, and this would situation kind of finagled to where uh, I was able to to shoot a ram myself um so at that point I was um in the over the course of like six months I had shot three quarters of a slam <laughs> and uh so then Dustin Rowe my good buddy uh you guys probably know Dustin um he's like well let's go kill a bighorn before it comes into your uh 12 months so we can say you killed a slam in 12 months and I was like, pump the brakes, man, pump the brakes. Like I gotta, I gotta pay for this. Like I, I gotta figure out how this is happening. Um, so I took a couple of years and then, uh, booked it out. And in, um, the fall of 2015, I went back with Dustin and uh, we went to BC and I killed a bighorn. All right on that's, uh, twice with Dustin. That's gotta be quite the experience Were yeah. they both, both horseback hunts or, um, no. So on the, actually, no, I'll take that back. We used horses. Um, and Dustin was actually on that desert sheep hunt with, uh, with my friend and I as well. So I actually was with him on three of my sheep. Um, 
we used horses on the bighorn hunt to access um, just to gain some country back. And then uh, his dad took the horses out of the country. And then we just went hunting on, you know, using our backpacks and, and went. And, and then uh, once we were successful and hiked down, um, they came and picked us up on horses again. Oh, right on. Were you uh, not, not looking for specific areas, but were you in the Rockies with that one? Uh yeah, I would say that, I mean, I'm not super familiar with how the uh, mountain ranges work in British Columbia, but yeah, it was, uh, you know, I mean, um, close to the Alberta side of BC. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's some cool terrain out there. A little bit different than uh, home for you. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, honestly, out of all the uh, hunts that I've done uh, for sheep of the four different yeah, species, um, physicality wise and, and, uh, and toughness wise, the bighorn hunt, I definitely think that's the most challenging hunt, um, for sure. For yeah, me, a, lot at least. Of, a lot of straight up on that. Yeah. And then also just with the fact that there's trees, um, spotting them becomes a little different, you know, I mean, doll sheep are white and they stick out. I mean, of course you gotta, you know, glass and, you know, put your time in, but, um, you know, desert sheep are a little harder to spot. They kind of blend in and it seems like stone sheep did too, but, uh, you know, it seems like there's a lot of deserts these days. So we were seeing a lot of sheep. Um, my stone hunt, uh, we killed first day. That's my only first day sheep hunt I've ever had. Um, but we spotted a ram in the evening. It was just too good of a ram not to go kill it. And so we killed it. Um, so it, it, it was an easy experience for me. I know that that's not always the case. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, the bighorn was by far the most challenging uh, for me physically. Yeah. With Dustin, do you have that on film somewhere that do or? Uh, yeah, so we do actually. Uh, my stone made really good film. Um, it's uh, It was fighting with another ram in a on like a snowbank. So oh, with cool. them being like dark BC rams, um, we watched them for a long time and we're recording it. And then uh, they had just butted heads and were like both phased and stopped and shaking their heads. And then I dropped one right, right behind the shoulder and dropped the ram right there dead. So it was a pretty cool video. And then as we were walking up to it, the, the other ram actually came back around, circled around to see what was going on and came like right up to us. It was a really cool experience. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be neat. And then you have it living on film forever too, to check in on. Yep. And uh, you have uh, some of your rams or all your rams in uh, one of our friends' shops. You're storing stuff in Barney Sports Chalet. Right oh, here. yeah, yeah. Um, I, I definitely had some sheep there for a little while. They're out of there now, and they're in uh, my house. Um, Ruby and I, were we had sold a, a house, and I had bought land, and we were going to build. Um, and so Kevin was storing um, a couple of the sheep there for a while. Um, but we ended up uh, with uh, when interest rates got really low, we decided to buy instead of build. So we once we we got our place, we uh, moved the sheep back home. So I got all the sheep uh, in uh, in our living room right now. So what goes first, the sheep or the couch? What do you what do you go grab first and get in, move into the new house? <laughs> um, I'm trying to think we had. Uh, we the couch came first and uh because i had to get a, a truck but it would have it would have gone the other way if i could have but i had to think about that for a second because i know we had ordered the couch too so it was i i do think that about half the sheep were in about the same time and then the other half came a little bit after yeah so it, it, you're the hunting you do for deer up there 
Now you're doing it off the boat. Um, that'd be would that be Sika deer? Yeah, Sika blacktail deer. Nice. How do you enjoy hunting those, or you just mainly like to set the people up and sit on the boat and wait for them to come back? You know, so for me growing up as a kid hunting with like my dad and my grandpa, that's what I grew up hunting was blacktail deer. And uh, in Prince William Sound, where I grew up in, out of Cordova, there's a five deer limit. And so when I was like a super young kid, I was blasting deer with my dad and uh, having a good time. My my dad and my grandpa were meat hunters, not uh, not trophy hunters. Um, you know, they like to shoot big bucks and, you know, have some competition with with themselves. But uh, we we did all headshots. Um, we'd get proxy tags uh, so where we could shoot more than five. I mean, good years where we'd shoot 15 deer um, each. Jeez. And, uh, you know, we come back and it was like, that's how I learned how to hunt was uh, doing that and uh, bringing them back and butchering them and giving them to, to uh, elders and family and friends. And, um, but we'd always go out on the boat. We'd stay on the boat. We'd camp overnight on the boat. We'd have good food. We'd talk and laugh. Those were like some of my best hunting memories as a kid. And, uh, you know, of course we've done it our whole life. And, uh, so when I started doing these trips, I tried to, uh, use that as, as kind of how I run them. Um, it, it, it's a fun hunt. Um, in Kodiak, you're allowed three bucks. I, I tell my guys, I recommend they get two tags um, just to not put as much pressure on, on bucks. Um, but, uh, you know, you can shoot more than one animal. Uh, there's also fox, there's sea ducks. You're going to see bears. I have crab pots in the water. Um, we're eating really good. We're having a good time. The boat's super comfortable. We can dry our gear out every day. Uh, it's just a fun hunt. So to me, even though it's just a stick of black-tailed deer, um, there's a lot more to that hunt than than just a little deer hunt. Uh, it's And it's also, I mean, as you guys all know, with sheep hunting, uh, I mean, if you're lucky enough to live in an area where you can sheep hunt, you know, without having to book a hunt, um, that's awesome. But if you really love sheep hunting, it means you're probably going to book a hunt and it's, it's expensive. And this hunt that I offer, it's, it's reasonable. And so you can be a sheep hunter and you could do this hunt every year um, and have a really good time, shoot multiple animals. You can bring a group of friends, you know, I take a groups, four to six people. Um, so it's just fun. It's, it's a good time. Um, you know, you can have competition with the guys who kills the biggest buck, but everybody's having a good time. Yeah. That sounds like in a full West coast experience, crab pots down. I'm sure you're feeding fish and everybody... oh, yeah, we good on it. Yeah. So, uh, I'll be coming up for that shortly. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Come on up. Now, in Alaska, you're, everything's an abundance. You guys have an incredible array of animals, just like we do here in BC. What's your favorite hunt? Um, honestly, like if I could just pick one awesome hunt to go do in Alaska, it would be to do one sheep hunt every year. Um, it's, it's a little frustrating. My work schedule makes it to where I can't do that as much as I used to. Um, but the thing I really love about sheep hunting and sheep hunting up here is, uh, the way I grew up hunting and hunting goats, hunting deer, hunting moose, hunting everything, um, is like fighting weather. So growing up in coastal Alaska, you just have the, the weather is just way more extreme than interior and in any mountain hunting, whether you're, if you're hunting sheep. Um, and so like with goats, it's like figure out where we're going to go. You know, you find your goat and it's run up the mountain, kill it and run it down. You know, we don't spend the night on the hill and, um, you know, it's, it's, you're always fighting weather and if boats involved, you're, you know, you're dealing with storms 
And when you go sheep hunting, like generally, like the weather's just not that bad. You know, you might have some wind here and there and you might get some rain or some snow, but it's just nothing compared to coastal Alaska. And you usually, when you do a sheep hunt, like you give yourself 10 days or you give yourself a week or you give yourself more than that. But sometimes it takes two or three days to like really settle out into your hunt and to actually enjoy it. And that's something that I don't often get to do and I don't often get that much time. So when I do get to do that and go on a sheep hunt and spend the time, I've always loved that. And it's just a different feeling, you know, three days in and you feel like you're just getting going to where any other of the hunts I do. Like, I mean, if it's like usually a one day gig or maybe you got two days or you have two bad days of weather and you get one little break and then you make it happen and you run down before the next storm comes in. Yeah. Then you're probably, you're not dealing with the, uh, the weather I always says the worst we can have on the coast, and that's that freezing rain sideways coming in. Yep. So. Yep. And then with like with us with boats, I mean, if you're up on the mountain and it's really crappy, like you're trusting your life to the anchor on your boat and hoping it's going to be there when you get back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's uh not something I've ever had to worry about. <laughs> I can see that get hit by a storm and you're worried about your boat not being usable when you get back there or even be in there that'd be a different worry yeah for sure so if you had to choose one animal that you were going to hunt every year and that was the only thing you could ever hunt that it would be the sheep that'd be your go-to probably so now is that alaska specific like let's let's go let's go worldwide let's go there worldwide um Yeah, I think I'd still pick sheep. Um, There is just something special about sheep hunting. Uh, You know, some of the other, I did go to Africa once and I had a blast and my wife and I are going to go back this fall. Um, I shot a buffalo, a Cape buffalo while I was there and that was really awesome. And so it's been a little while. I'm going to shoot another one on this trip. Uh, I think that could be a close second. Uh, But, um, but yeah, there's just something about sheep hunting. I love, I love being out in the mountains. I love the camping, I love the aspect of it and backing everything on your back. Um, but as I get older and more out of shape, uh, I might, I might change over to an African Cape Buffalo hunt. <laughs> well, those, uh, those Cape Buffalo hunts, they can, they can be interesting. You know, I, my wife and I, we were there in May and every guide had a story that, you know, perfect shot and that the Buffalo just kept going and, and you're chasing them for forever over mountains and then you got to get them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. They're pretty wild hunts. Uh, mine was, uh, I went over with a buddy, uh, and he, he shot an elephant, a rhino and, uh, what else did he shoot? But he shot a lot of animals on the trip. Um, but the one thing he didn't shoot was, was a Cape Buffalo. And I shot a Cape Buffalo and we were both with each other the whole time. And, uh, I got to say the elephant was the number one experience of that trip. And the Cape Buffalo was the number two, just barely behind it. Like those two moments in my life and my hunting life were like probably the most intense moments right on an animal. Well, that's a, that's a whole nother ball game that we don't even have anything that compares to it over here. Did the, the toughness of the animals over there surprise you? I know it caught me right off guard. Like their their will to survive was something else. Yeah, that was the first thing he shot was a, um, was a Gemsbuck and, uh, you know, he shoots this thing and 
he shot it again and, and it did go down and we got up to the thing and I was, I couldn't believe how big it was. Like just physically, like mass wise, it, it's a lot bigger than a lot of our animals. And then like, it was, that was the case with everything. Everything's bigger over there. Everything's tougher over there. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I, I was surprised to go to Africa. It wasn't like on my list while at, at that age, I figured I'd be getting a little older before I went and, and I'm so glad I went. And now my wife was bugging me for uh, for a while about wanting to go over there and we booked a trip. Uh, and then we found out we were pregnant like two weeks later and <laughs> changes things a little bit, but uh, we're, we're still going to go and make it happen. Oh, I would be a, whereabouts and uh where were where were you guys or where you headed uh we're just gonna go to south africa we're just gonna have a pretty laid-back trip um and see how this goes in the first one with her um you know i think uh later in life if we go back i'd like to go do something else and go maybe after bongo um i'd love to kill an elephant one day but i don't know if i'll if if when that'll be in the cards but uh i sure would like to at some point um but yeah, I'd like to get an explore outside of South Africa and go to some other countries and maybe like Mozambique or Botswana or get out there and go do something different. Yeah. So South Africa seems like it's a pretty kid friendly place and the, uh, the, the lodges all seem top notch every, I, I don't even know anyone that's had a bad experience over there. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. It's just a fun hunt. And there's something, you know, now that I'm married and I hunt with my wife a lot, um, you know, there's something about, you know, both people having fun. Uh, and uh, my wife's tougher than almost any woman I know, but like, there's still like a point like that I could have her like wanting to kill me on a mountain hunt. So <laughs> <laughs> like to save peace, like doing one of these every once in a while is, is good. Yeah. There's that type two fun. We all talk about uh, the suffering that you love kind of deal. <laughs> For sure. Uh, you got any big plans this this fall with baby here or just nice and easy to stick to your usual routines yeah you know we um we're gonna try to just make our season work um and i think that it's just gonna be a kind of a a balance year of uh you know everything was really dialed for what we do with my wife and i and she's a, a big part of my business and and a big part of the hunting business i mean you know i she she has people you know, that get they, we all become friends when we do our hunts and uh, she's a, a large personality, if you know her and a lot of fun. And uh, we've really dialed in our business uh, well. So this year is going to be just kind of a find our groove with the baby and try to make sure that we're uh, still offering everything we can for our clients. And then uh, we're, you know, operating as a family together. And um, so that that's our big thing this year. We don't have a lot of time off between fishing and uh, my hunting season. And Africa is going to take up a good part of that. Uh, we're leaving for Africa. The hunt starts basically the last day of sheep season in Alaska. So here's uh, hoping Friday we draw a sheep tag. Um, and then I, I make the time to, to do it. But uh, odds are low up here. So we'll see what happens. What What's your fishing season look like? It sounds like you're a little jam-packed off the boat, on the boat, off the boat. You're going <laughs> to... We're going to be busy. The forecast this year is really good. Um so that's good. Um, you know, you never know what the forecast, if they come in right uh, as well or not. Um, you know, a lot of changes in my industry now are the are cost of goods um, and uh, finding parts and spare parts and fuel costs. So uh, my fishing business is a little bit more like making sure we're prepared to handle anything. Um, 
and it's definitely the bulk of my business is, is made in the fishing part, not the hunting part. So, uh, and it's in a short and sweet. So there's a lot of stress involved in that, but, um, I love it. I've done it since I was a kid and it keeps me pretty excited. And, uh, um, I love to be competitive at it. And I love it that it is a competitive fishery. Um, so and we like to kick ass. So we just go out there and do, go kill it. Yeah. That's commercial fishing is, uh, that's something that's a, that's a special breed of people. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so baby arbors, she's got Africa lined up. She's got her first sheep hunt lined up. Where do you go from yeah. there? Like where, where, where do you go from that? <laughs> Two years old, you got sheep in Africa under your belt. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm, uh, you know, I think that's one thing. I remember my dad telling me something uh, when I was a kid and he said, uh, you know, any parent, they've done a good job if they're, if their kid can have more opportunity than they did and could, could learn what they learn and then take it to the next level. And that's all that I hope is that I can be a good dad that can uh, give her a ton of great experiences. And who knows if she'll like hunting. Uh, I mean, my guess is she will, but uh, you know, I'll show her as much as I can and and hopefully she can take it to the next level and the next step above what I do. Awesome. Well, I, I don't know. You have any, uh, any questions, Kyle? No, man, it's uh, it's one of those ones, those podcasts I love where you just sit back and let the guests do all the talk. And you got so many great stories, Derek. And uh, we'll have to talk to you about uh, trying to um, hook up with you on a trip up there. Um, I know that our BC guys would love to come and do one of those blacktail hunts up there. I know they've done similar ones in the past. They do really well at our fundraisers. So we'll have to chat with you at some point and see if we can, uh, if you got some openings in the seasons and down the road that we could work with you on something like that. So, yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, it's, it sounds like a lot of fun. I, actually, I think a bunch of our executive, we had six guys or five guys go up there about five years ago, and they still talk about this today. It's, you know, just the the whole experience. The hunting was great, but it was more of the social experience and the camaraderie, right? So Yeah, it is. It's just a fun hunt. It's uh, There's plenty of animals, so it's like even if you see this giant buck and you blow it or it chases a doe and you never see it again, I mean, it's like you never know. Like 20 minutes later, you might find a bigger buck. Um, it's just, it's just plain fun. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so I guess you guys will be sheep week in 24. So we'll get to, uh, get to meet the new baby and, and, uh, maybe she walks away with a, a sheep hunt or something like that at the, um, I guess less than one, we can send her to less than one. She can do the life member breakfast, lots of chances to win for her, I guess. Eh? Yeah, actually, I didn't even think about that. Wouldn't that be crazy? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if they let her to defer until she was 10 or 12 or 14 or whatever you need to be to, to go on the hunt. So, yeah, that would, uh, it would be awesome if they could do that. It would also be awesome if they let Ruby or me shoot it too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just here to help. Right. So Yeah. I figure one of these points, I'd sure love to win one. I mean, it's like, I've known a couple of people to win hunts over the years and it's like, it happens. So, you know, somebody has got to win. Yeah, I, yeah. Same too. Right. I put in for everything, but in some token, I look at it, I feel like, you know, being in BC and probably you in Alaska, we kind of won the lottery anyway, when it comes right, to yeah, hunting and opportunities, but uh, yeah, not, not trying to diminish it, but one of those, uh, you know, you guys hunt those big Kodiaks and those uh, big bears on the island on, on the peninsula there, man, that's uh that's a hunt of a lifetime. And boy, if I ever had an opportunity to do that, that's a, right at the top of my list. It'd be amazing. Right on. Yeah, it's exciting. You know, brown bears, the first time I started working brown bear hunts, um, 
honestly, it wasn't my favorite because of it's a little bit boring. And like, I was pretty young when I started doing it and uh, I was used to like wanting to go and hike and with bear hunting, it's a lot of sitting. And uh, once I started getting on some good bear kills and then once I started being the guide and leading stocks and killing some big bears, like, I mean, once it gets in your blood like that, holy cow, the rush, the excitement, um, you know, you can sit for five days glassing before you do a stock and then you can go on a short stock, maybe an hour or 20 minutes and, and you go kill a bear, but like, it's so worth it when it actually happens. And you have that moment up close and personal with a giant 10 foot bear. Well, it's interesting. I, you know, Kevin Dana had uh, gone up the peninsula there a few years back. He killed a, a really nice bear, um, five years ago, maybe six now. And, you know, he was talking about that and he said that, you know, he, he'd had an opportunity to hunt and he just, he said it was such a weird experience because you like, they're so sensitive to smell that you just, you hung out. Like, and if the bears weren't there, you just hung out because traipsing around the Island, it's going to be game over. They smell you windy and they'll never come out. Right. So you, that's the one thing he mentioned. It was a lot of sitting until it was go time. And then it was like, get after it. Right. But uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Pretty, pretty cool experience. No, that's kind of all I had, man. I really stoked. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to, to meet you down at sheep week, uh, this coming year and, uh, uh, see you around and, uh, get to meet the whole family down there. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Awesome. I'll be looking forward to that too. And thanks for having me on. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Thanks for coming out. Make sure I get the, I just about kicked 